Hello and welcome to Men in Charge. I'm Kevin Decker. And I'm Tony Flynn. Today, it's Season 11, Episode 4. Season 11 is the vestigial one. It's the one we don't care that much about. It's the one we're not prepared to do today, are we? We're not. We're just phoning it in today. But in any case, today's title is courtesy of the great singer and instrument maker, Caradwin Spatz. She doesn't listen to our show. I don't know what we've ever done to drive her off, but this title comes from her. A small child's go-to swear words. Kevin, when you were a small child, where did you go to learn how to swear? I simply looked at my family, especially my uncle, who had been in the Navy and learned a lot of great swearing there. And I remember that he and my mother were around when I called a bee at a picnic damn bee. And of course, that's shocking. It's shocking among German Protestants. We were not allowed to say ass or shut up. Now, I got to ask you this question. I have actually once gotten my mouth cleaned out with soap. Have you ever had that experience? <laughs> it happened to be once. No, but you have to tell us what kind of soap. You know, I'm sure it was just Dove or Ivory. Something so you couldn't generic. complain. They didn't use those fine lye-based soaps No, on they you. did not. But it did take several days to get it's not a taste, right? It's a, a texture, pleasant, perhaps. It's not even a texture. It's it's kind of like, you know, water torture is not a taste or a texture, but you experience it. And that's what having soap in your mouth for an extended period of time is like. <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right. Well, Men in Charge has reached its zenith with that story. This takes us to a familiar batch of segments because we don't care. So you're going to be hearing from a lot of your old friends slash people you're indifferent to in the upcoming segments. What do we have first, Kevin? First, we have a long anticipated and with bated breath to disgruntled... soapy breath Soapy breath. Yeah, that's right. A return to disgruntled Belgian talk radio with Didier Vandage. And in this episode, he's vexed because the local fast food place did not have his desired breakfast, an eel sandwich. (laughs) After that, we're going to return to our talk show, What's New With You, with Roger Basement. And today, the topic is Swedish-Irish fusion food with a woman named Gustav. And then RV Rapture, and I think the battle between the devil's gerbil and the banana slug, the heavenly slug is really starting to erupt in this episode. We're introduced to Rupert the Heavenly Slug as Rupert tries to climb up onto Margaret's shoulder to provide spiritual counsel. Live from Cincinnati, USA, I am Didier Vondage, your host for Disgruntled Belgian Talk Radio, where I allow you, the listeners, to hear me explain American mistakes in food, culture, politics, and beer. But listeners, before your souls bleed with my news of your shortcomings, I want to tell you how vile and repellent was my breakfast. I strolled on my fine stick-like Belgian legs this morning to the nearby fried food palace where meat with no name is squeezed from a tube and dropped into oil that is heated to a temperature measured in the risible Fahrenheit system. Stop with your red light switchboard calling noise, listeners. Have I finished telling you of my breakfast? No, I have not. Jamie's the engineer. Make the red light switchboard noise stop. 
That's not the switchboard DDA. That's the inner office studio phone. It means you're in trouble again, I hope. Your spite and bitterness, Jamie the Engineer, does not charm me. But I, Didier Vondage, am not without my Belgian resources. I will simply unplug this nuisance of inter-office phone. Comme ça. And now my listeners may resume hearing about my breakfast. At the Bucket of Burgers Mart, there was, to my great surprise, considering the disgraceful food offerings, a line behind which I was made to wait. Therefore, I had to shout my preferences from the back, near the door. I would like two portions of fried breakfast eel, half-cooked, with tomato mustard and red onions. Do you know what the greasy child behind the counter shouted in response? I will tell you, my ignorant listeners. He said, No shouting, or you'll have to leave. Wait your turn. So I waited my turn, as they call it, grumbling and cursing politely until everyone in the line moved aside so that I could go first. So I am rubbing my moist hands together in anticipation of my breakfast eel, as I have had nothing this morning except for a single glass of sherry and the sheet cake frosting I licked from the saran wrap covering here at the studio. But the greasy child at the counter says, in his bad Cincinnati voice. We don't have breakfast eel, whatever that is. How about a breakfast sandwich? How do I respond? I say, rudely, but still with Belgian grace. Does this breakfast sandwich contain eel? He says, no, I told you, we don't have eel. I told him what I tell the counter people there every day. I said, fine. I will leave now and never return. Belgian honor was once again appelled. Come on, Didier, answer the door. I want to find out what sort of trouble you're in. Didier? Ah, Susie Quengel, program director in training and presumed maîtress of Monsieur Hagio Thorne, unfortunate station manager. Why are you blocking my doorway so that I cannot reach the studio bottle of sherry? I'm not anyone's maitress. What does that mean, anyway? It means mistress, Susie. Mistress? Oh, well then, never mind. Susie Quengle, if you must block my doorway, do at least hand to me the studio bottle of sherry. Thank you. You may go. Um, okay. Wait, Susie. Shouldn't you first tell Didier why he's in trouble? So that was why I came in. I must have forgotten. Oh, that's right. I have a message from Mr. Hagiothorn. Is that what you call him? Mr. Hagiothorn? During those ripe champagne-filled afternoons between the silken sheets at the Quality Inn? Oh, yes. He prefers that. But... He promised me that for my birthday, he's going to tell me his first name. You mean Bob? No, don't tell me. It's not my birthday. Thank you, Jamie the Engineer. You have earned your meager wages today by driving off Susie Quengel, studio nuisance. I know, and I feel 
bad about that because I wanted you to finally get in trouble with Mr. Hagiothorn. For what? I am always here at the station, therefore never late, and I changed the sheets on my studio cot only three weeks ago. Probably for the very existence of your studio cot, and the fact that you unplugged the phone and you've been ignoring those few people who actually do call, like right now. Hello, you're on the air with Didier Von Dage, disgruntled Belgian. Hi. I'm Darlene, long-time eavesdropper, first-time caller. Why do you say eavesdropper, listener Darlene? Do you drop from the eaves like rain? Or perhaps like the gutters that have never been cleaned and drop from their own weight? (laughs) Oh, Didier, your Belgian humor is so hard to understand, actually. No, it's because all of us in my church sewing and pistol club just love to tune into the show right about now to hear you and Jamie the Engineer argue and talk about Susie Quangle's torrid affair with your general manager, Mr. Hagiothorn. It's kind of like a cult we have here. But we think Susie could do better than Mr. Hagiothorn, don't you? No. Uh, Darlene, I guess I'm curious about something. While DDA carelessly leaves the studio mic on and you hear all about our office idiocies at the station, does your little cult ever wonder about my life? Mm, not so much. Should we? Are you having a torrid affair that you and DDA can talk about over the air? Uh, no, not really. You should. You really should. After you lost your program director trainee job to that mischief-making homewrecker Susie Quangle, we just love her, by the way, we sort of gave up on you. You... you gave up on me? Enough talking. I am Didier Vandage, and this is my show. I will talk now. Wait. Just wait, Didier. Darlene, what do you mean, you gave up on me? You know, nothing was going on with you. Well, that we knew about. We just quit caring. But, but... Enough, I say. I will talk now. So, caller Darlene, what about my years-long torrid affair with Ivanka of the Kushners? You cared, yes? That was so exciting. And you never heard from her ever, did you? I must have been out when she called or texted. So, not yet, no. That's because you don't even exist to Ivanka. Or to me, either, if I had my choice. So, then you shouldn't care about DDA either, Darlene. But we love his prickly Belgian despair. Enough of this. You have offended the honor of Belgians everywhere, as well as each of our former colonies. Goodbye. Ah, another call. You are on the air with me, Didier Vandage, of Disgruntled Belgian Talk Radio. How may I correct your thinking today? Ah, it's me again, Didier. We got cut off somehow. What is Susie Quangle and Mr. Hagiothorn up to now? Does Mrs. Hagiothorn know what's going on? Could you go get Susie so she can tell us? And how much trouble are you in? Jamie the Engineer, you must screen these calls. No more calls today. I'm not doing a damned thing until I get my own cult. My show. 
It is done for today. I will walk the streets now, brooding, searching for the elusive eel sandwich in benighted Cincinnati, USA. Listeners of America, remember, Belgium is the most frustrated country in all of Europe. And we Belgians are as powerful as a jar lid that will not come loose right away. As irritable as saran wrap that clings to your shoe. Do not trifle with us. Men in Charge, the only blockbuster radio program that demonstrates how someone could actually put three Earths into the red spot of Jupiter, if they were really interested in doing so. Hello everyone, Roger Basement here, second place winner of various third tier baritone awards. This portion of What's New With You is brought to you by the fine folks down at Warming Tundra Press, an imprint of pre-remaindered classics. And here to tell us what's coming to a bookstore near you is Gustav Lindstrom McDermott. Well, we're glad to tell everyone out there about our latest release, Roger. It's an homage of sorts a tribute to my family's long history of perfecting the art of Swedish cuisine. Frankly, it's been quite the slog. The book's called Good Stuff Gustav, and that's me, Gustav. It'll be out next Wednesday, late in the afternoon. Is this a cookbook? Kind of an eclectic, autobiographical cookbook. See, I'm actually a bit of a mutt. Most of my relatives are blonde and Swedish, but back somewhere in the murky past, a bit of Irish blood seems to have seeped upstream with the tide. Genetic backwash, if you know what I mean. Uh, No idea. And so that's where the title of the book, Good Stuff Gustav, comes from. The stuff being food, I gather? Righto. So... My family really enjoyed cooking and eating, like most Irish Scandinavians, maybe even more than most. So the book highlights some of our favorites, with a distinct Catholic Nordic twist. So, Gustav, any little family secrets you might be able to share from the book? Funny you should ask. Just happened to bring along a few of the traditional favorites in person. We cooked them up earlier today from recipes found in the book. This here is a dish we call permafrost scramble, kind of our go-to breakfast staple here. Try some. It's kind of, I don't know, egg-like, actually, but with the ice crystals, more crunchy frozen than eggy. Thus the name, permafrost scramble, huh? So, no need to cook the eggs. Well, hmm. What else do you have there in that pan? Anything edible? A couple of main courses. Uh, here, try this, Roger. Handed down from my grandparents. Made fresh this morning. Ugh. Yikes. Well, that's gray and smells, I'd say, bad. 
<laughs> What's this called, Gustav? Kind of <laughs> off-putting at first, isn't it? We call it boneless herring lasagna. It might take some getting used to. Boy, the scent kind of fills up the whole studio, doesn't it? I don't think I feel well. Not for the faint of heart. Absolutely loaded with uh, ingredients, though. Let's move on. Quickly. What's next? Well, let's see. We can pass over the blueberry pancake meatballs. They're probably not for everybody. Look, here's a hand-colored picture of them just out of the oven, here on page 22. Nice crayon work, Gustav. And you folks actually eat these blueberry pancake meatballs? Not year-round. Now, not everyone is a fan of this next little zinger, either. Our family would save this one for special guests, like in-laws or clergy. And this gray, gelatinous ruin is called? Well, Roger, as you can probably guess from the picture here on page 30, we call this one Jellied Veal Surprise. Yeah, the picture's worth a thousand. Uh, it's enough to make the jellied part probably a bit too lifelike. Even in the picture, the jelly seems to be quivering. Let's turn the page, okay? Now would be a very good time to do so. A mm, couple more before we get to some traditional desserts. Let's see, here on page 106 is the recipe for our family's all-time favorite. It needs a couple of days to ferment just right. Kind of a hybrid Irish-Swedish-Latvian conundrum we call pickled chicken surprise wiener soup. One helping is usually more than anyone really needs. Not hard to believe. I notice this isn't the only recipe that includes the word surprise in the description. That's because the pickling slash fermentation process can be a little iffy. Lots of variables, you know. Uh, part of the fun, right? Every time's a little different, even when there is a recipe. Well, cooking sure isn't an exact science, is it? Anyway, Roger, time for an example of our holiday dessert collection here on page 49. Our reindeer beet sorbet. Check out those happy faces around the table. Indeed, yes. Are they happy because of the sorbet or because they don't have to eat again until tomorrow? Well, as I say, my book comes out Wednesday afternoon sometime. And maybe a few brave souls will venture out to look for it. Maybe. I must say, some of these recipes seem to me, how can I put this, awful. I mean, reindeer beet sorbet, boneless herring lasagna... Jellied veal surprise? Even the pickled chicken surprise wiener soup raises more questions than it answers. And I just noticed your book's subtitle, The Offensive Kitchen, Our First Line of Defense. What's that all about? Well, there's an old Viking custom where one uses food as a kind of preemptive revenge strategy. You know, invite your into your home, and then 
Bring out the northern lights-out lutefisk. Well, now you're making sense. You've essentially weaponized hospitality. I guess you could say that. And the book again is... We call it Good Stuff Gustav. And remember... Oh, I do, I do. You are Gustav, aren't you ever? Here, try another slice of twice-frozen potatoes. Ah, lots left. Nice and crunchy. After this interview, I'm hoping I never have to eat again. You sure? Plenty of flaming marshmallow herring flambeaux left. Come on, help me out here before it cools off. Investing your money wisely has never been easier than with a checking account in Tony and Kevin's name into which you make regular deposits of your hard-earned cash. All at your own convenience and no tax burden. Details coming up on Men in Charge. Greetings, folks. St. Peter here. Glad you could make it. The Lord likes it when you tune in regularly. I'm on my way to my weekly progress report to the Lord. He likes to keep tabs on those who deliver the Lord's blessings, you know, our heavenly messengers, our angels. Today is going to be kind of a tricky one. It's about the trouble with Fred and Margaret and their little Shih Tzu Bitsy. You remember, they're the ones who died in an RV crash. Now, during the day, they do good deeds for our side, but at night they're punished for their gas-guzzling ways by spending their evenings camped around Satan's lake of fire. Enter. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Don't you remember, Lord? It's time for our weekly meeting. Again? That's correct, Lord. And I thought that we might start with Fred and Margaret. Fred and Margaret. Fred and Margaret. Right, right, right. Last week we downsized their angelic vehicle from the gas-guzzling Dynamax RV to the compact electric Mazda MX-30. Correct again, Lord, but Margaret is not happy about it. Ecological malfeasance has its consequences. As I recall, Margaret was in love with the RV lifestyle. Lifestyle. Well, Lord, it's gotten her into a little bit of trouble again. Satan disguised himself as an RV salesman and tricked her into touring a demonic holiday rambler. And uh, there were consequences. What has the Archfiend done now? There's a little bit of a problem. And? She now has a familiar... Ah, okay. What are we dealing with here? A gerbil, Lord. Satan's gerbil stuck to her shoulder. (sighs) She named it Mr. Cuddles. I'm not sure which is worse, her propensity for gas-guzzling vehicles or her cheapening of the language. Be that as it may, Lord, how do we respond? It's on her left shoulder? Yes, Lord. 
I think it's time to put something from our camp onto her right shoulder. I'm afraid inventory is low. How about a rabbit? All out on assignment. A hamster? Nope. A chicken? No again. What is left? Slugs. That's all we've got. Slugs. Okay, I guess. A heavenly slug. You must make it so. Oh, Mr. Cuddles, look at this. Bitsy likes Doritos. Do you like Doritos, too? Come on, Margaret. It's bad enough you give Doritos to Bitsy. You've made that dog flatulent at all hours of the day and night, and now you're going to give snacks to a demon gerbil? I don't even want to think about it. Shut up, Fred. And Margaret, I'll just take that whole load of corn-based snack product. Great. Just great. Stupid little rodent talks. That's Mr. Cuddles to you, Fred. I am the mighty demon gerbil, Satan's familiar. And you had better get used to me, because I'm stuck to Margaret's shoulder. I'm not liking this one little bit. Now, Fred... What am I supposed to do, Margaret? Drive you and Mr. Cuddles to hell and back for all eternity? (laughs) That's the general idea. I mean, just look at us. Margaret and I are a team. I am looking. Keep your eyes on the road, Fred. How do I keep from looking at you, Margaret, when you've got a red-eyed demon gerbil with horns on your... Oh, my God! Pull over. I think I had better drive. It's, it's just that you've, you've got a, a slug crawling up your leg. Ew, 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 ew. There's a slime trail. Get him off me, Fred. Kill it. Kill it! Oh, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Oh, great! This one talks, too! I am Rupert, the Heavenly Slug. Party Crasher. I am God's own messenger, sent here to sit on Margaret's right shoulder. I shall fight the good fight. It will be good, that's me, against evil. And evil is that rodent on your left shoulder, Margaret. Oh, who cares about good and evil? What I see is that you have no sense of style, gastropod. Au contraire, gerbil boy. I have two heavenly halos, one round each of my optic tentacles. I have a very handsome, soft body. Ick! And when I get to your shoulder, Margaret, in a week or two, I shall have left a slime trail of glory. Oh, really? Ick! Well, folks, I can see that Rupert, the heavenly slug, and I really have our work cut out for us. With this crew, just about anything can happen between now and next Sunday. So I guess you had better stay tuned, hadn't you? Tony, it's your duty today to thank the cast. And I do it, but only grudgingly. Kevin Decker, Tony Flynn, Scott Herrick, Jody Stewart-Strobel, Nancy Rock, Rowan Flynn... 
Ann Porter, and because we missed them last time, Davis Hill and Rennie Yarrow. We'd also like to thank the writers, Tony Flynn and Scott Herrick. The Bad Plus did our theme music, Seven Minute Mind. And we'd also like to thank those people who, when lined up, one in front of the other, obscure everybody behind them. Carrie Boyce, Vern Windham, Nancy Roth, Nisha Schramm, Savannah Esty, and the man who bucked the popular trend of using hand sanitizer only for the hands, Brian Lindsay.